Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy today to us. We thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. Good to see all of you here today. And may the Lord bless you. If you find your Bible, please find your place in Genesis chapter number 27. Genesis chapter number 27. These days, we're talking together about what I'm calling family secrets, family matters. As we look at the family of Abraham. Abraham, his family. Isaac, his family. Jacob, his family. We learn a lot about family life from studying these words together. Some of it wonderful, some of it a blessing to us and makes us happy. But then there are other parts, and this is what's wonderful about the Word of God. The Word of God tells the truth about all of those that are written in these pages, both the good and the bad. Today we're looking, and then we'll again, Lord willing, next week look again at the sinful son, Esau, and learn some very important lessons about the impact of being a sinful son toward God and also a sinful son in the family, among other sinners in the family. I want you to read together with me several verses that will help us get a grip on these words and sober our minds so that we have an understanding of the very important truths we're going to look at as we think about Esau. First of all, I said for you to go to 27, but if you'll, right there, you're in Genesis 27. We'll read in chapter 26, verses 34 and 35. 26, 34, and 35. Keep your Bible open. We're going to read several passages together. Genesis 26, 34, 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith. Uh, the Hittite, and Bosman, the daughter of Elam. And they, that is these wives that he married, brought grief to Isaac and to Rebekah. Then we read beginning in chapter number 27, verse number 38. Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me. Even me also, O oh my father. So Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Genesis 27, 41. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of my mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother, Jacob. Genesis 27, 46. Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then we read in Genesis 28, beginning in verse number 8. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, 
the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Naboth. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. The focal truth today is this, that Esau hated his parents living in open rebellion against them. There's nothing sadder than reading the life story of Esau in the Word of God. We find Esau scattered through these pages in the relationship between his parents, Isaac and Rebekah, and his brother, Jacob. Esau's life is a life describing the results of being a sinner who will not repent. Esau's life brings grief in his own life. It brings sadness to his life, and it brings bitterness not only to himself, because he will not, he refuses to repent of his sin, but it brings bitterness to the family. All of these words I've read to you describe the various consequences of what it means to live as a sinner. And for you here today to remember this, regardless of your age, some of you children who are here and some of you who are students here, your decisions as children and students about living for God matter. I remind all of you who are older and your parents are still alive. Those of you who are young adults in this church, those of you who are median age adults in this church, your decisions still matter in relationship to your family and in your relationship with God. Our relationship at home has a, has a direct result, a direct connection to our relationship with God. And the things you do, you do not do and only affect yourself. Every decision you make, every decision you make, every place you go, every association you have brings back consequences upon the others in your family. Brothers and sisters, uh, grandchildren, uh, husband, wives, whatever it may be. So today we'll look at four uh, observations about Esau and I want us to think about them and understand the, um, the importance of seeing Esau as an example of one who because of his sinfulness and his unrepentant sinfulness, he hated his parents and lived in open rebellion against them. Well, first of all, God promised Isaac that the seed of Messiah would come through him. Way back now, way back. We've talked about it before, not long ago, way back. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They disobeyed God. They took of the fruit. They ate it. Their eyes were open. They were in nakedness and shame. They ran away from God. That's what sinners do. They run away from God in their shame. And they hide. And they have secrets. They have sinful secrets they do not want God to know about, even though God knows. There the prophecy came, that ancient prophecy, which is the prophecy of all, which points to the coming of the Messiah, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ. For God says to the devil there in that place in the garden, He, this coming one, this one who's born of the seed of the woman, He will crush your head. He will destroy you. That is the promise that we see. Well, now that begins to take place through the family of Abraham. The Abrahamic promise would come, the covenant promise, the agreement God made with Abraham would come that through his seed all the nations of the world would be blessed and as we learn from the New Testament, that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have 
all of these families, we have all of these births, we have all of these things taking place. I want to remind you today that the purposes of God will be accomplished in the world and God works through our families. The children born into your family are not the same. They all have their own uniquenesses. But as I tried to mention to you last week as we were away, if you were able to tune in, we talk about, uh, we come to these twins that are born. Jacob and Esau, they're both sinners. They have their own uniquenesses and their parents sinned in their favoritism toward them. But the promises of the Messiah come through the one that doesn't seem to be the apparent heir. That's always the way it is. We'll track this through the, the book of Genesis later in some detail. Because God said to Rebekah, the older shall serve the younger. And we find that to be the pattern throughout the entire book of Genesis to teach us that the grace of God comes not in the ways man would think of them, but in his own ways. So God gives Isaac twin sons. One is the promised one. That is the younger. The younger will be served by the older. And the older turns out to be the fleshly one, the sinner, Esau, who will not repent. Jacob was a deceiving sinner, but he came to the place in his life where he repented of his sin, believed God. Jacob was one who lived by faith, as we learn later. He lived, as the book of Hebrews says, dwelling in tents with his, uh, with his father, and, and he was an heir of the promise. He was the inheritor of the promise of Abraham, through which the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ came. Isaac blessed both Jacob and Esau, but in a very different way. And he did so by faith, talking to them, as the book of Hebrews says, regarding things to come in their lives. So I want to remind you today, as we read these words, we saw these sad words. We saw the grief of a mother and father toward the choice of their son in whom he decided to marry among the Canaanites. We saw the pain and the grief and the bitterness of Esau crying out for a blessing from his father. We saw the hatred buried in his heart toward his brother planning to kill him once his father is dead. We saw the grief come out and be described by Rebecca as she lived with these women that Esau had married, these godless women who were Canaanites. And she says, I'm tired of living. And she says uh, that... There's no hope in my life. There's no good to my life. And then we see this bitterness turns to hardness in the sinful life of Esau because when he saw that these, these Canaanite wives so grieved his mother and father, what does he do? He goes to the family of Ishmael. He goes to the family of Ishmael. That one born Abraham, born to Abraham who was the rejected son, the son of the flesh, and marries the daughter of Ishmael. We learn much about sin, but I want to remind you of this today. I want to say this to you recognizing that I'm speaking to parents with children of all ages. I say the things I'm saying to you as your pastor, having lived through many things in my own life and my own experience with my family. I remind you of this today, that the greatest test of your faith may not come from your job. It may not come from some, some relationships or the pressure of the world. It may come from within your family. It may become the greatest test to your faith. 
and the conflict at home and the conflict in your greater family spills over and challenges your faith every day. Oh, you love to go to the church house. You just don't want to go to your house. You want to stay away from that place because when you go there, there's turmoil, there's hatred, there's bitterness, there's struggle, there's open sin, there's shame, there's family secrets. Perhaps the greatest test, this is true all through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's life, through the seasons of life and the growth of their children, we will discover and see over and over one of their greatest tests of faith was learning to trust God with their children, even when their children were unrepentant. The greatest test of your faith in your family may come from one rebellious child, one rebellious grandchild, one rebellious great-grandchild. God forbid, but it could happen. You may grow to experience more than one rebellious child in your life. Will you trust God? Will you become a bitter person? How will you walk with God? When you thought that everything would be good because you were saved and God would take care of everything, you've had all of these wonderful blessings, but now there's risen bitterness in your family and you cannot do anything to change the behavior of these children that have been born to you. Here we're reading the story of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau who are all sinners and there is bitterness and there is blessing blended into their family experience. And that is true for every single family who follows Jesus in this world. You see, Esau, secondly, was a selfish, sinful man. He loved himself more than he loved his family. He was a man completely preoccupied with himself. He didn't care about his family. He didn't care about his mother and dad. And he certainly didn't care about his brother. We read, as I spoke to you last week while, when we were away, if you were able to listen in. So what happens there in Genesis 25? Well, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, Jacob making soup. He's making it, I would believe, probably to encourage his father who, who, is, who is mourning the, the death of Abraham. And so he's making soup and what happens? Well, his, his uh, Jacob the cook now meets his brother, the hunter, the mighty hunter. Esau comes in from the field and he says, what is that red stuff? I'm, I'm talking about verses now over in chapter 25, beginning at verse 30. What is that red stuff uh, over there? I'm famished. And, uh, and so uh, Jacob says, well, I'd be glad to give you some of this red stuff, but first, you see, now this is when they were 15 years old. I'm talking to people who hear my voice today who are not only in this room, I, I'm begging and pleading the the students and teenagers that I know in this church as your pastor, be careful about the decisions you make as a teenager. They will stay with you for all of your life. Be careful what you decide. These two 15-year-olds are in the tent. Nobody else is there. We have no record that Isaac's there or Rebecca's there. And so brother to brother, 15-year-old twin to the other, now the conniver, now the deceiver says, well, you know what? If you want some of this red stuff, you got to sell me something. You got to do a deal with me. And we can't break the deal. Once you do it, it's mine. 
I want you to sell me the birthright. I'm going to sell you. I'm going to give you this soup, like selling it to you. And you're going to give me in return the birthright. And what does Esau, this sinful man, say? Well, we read it here in verse 32 of chapter 25 of Genesis. I'm about to die. Now, whether this is an exaggeration or whether he is about to die, the, the fact is he says, I'm about to die. So what use then is this birthright to me? And so he swears that he will now give up the birthright of being firstborn in line for the covenant promise of Abraham through his father. And verse 34, then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. Please notice the last phrase, and he ate, that is Esau ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus, the word of God says, Esau despised his birthright. You see, he was a fleshly man and he cared more about his fleshly desires than satisfy or about any kind of family matter. He did not care about it. The book of Hebrews says that Esau was an immoral and godless man and he sold his birthright for a single meal. He ate, he drank and rose and went out. That is the description of sinful living. It's still the description of this day. He ate and he drank and he went out. He ate and drank and went out and he did not care anything about his family blessing, what the family had said, what God had said to Abraham and to his own father Isaac. He ate and drank and went out to live for himself with no regard for his family. That's what sinful people do. He ate and he drank and he went out to practice open rebellion against all that his family represented and stood for. He ate and drank and went out and he lived in idolatry and rejected God. He lives, he eats, he drinks, he goes out and does what he pleases to satisfy his flesh. Eve saw that the fruit was good and pleasant to the eyes and she took it and she ate it and she gave to her husband and he ate it too. Esau represents for us the sinfulness of living for ourselves. He ate, he drank, and he went out and he did not care about God and he did not care about his family. The rich fool said, I've got everything, I've got great income. It's all come my way. I've got great returns. I'm going to build the big barn and then I'm going to eat and I'm going to drink and I'm going to be merry. People all around the world, when Noah was finished and the ark was being built, they were being given in marriage and they were eating and drinking and making merry and God shut the door of the ark and the flood came. This is a description of how people live in their sinfulness, eating, drinking and being merry with no concern or desire for God. I remind you there's not one place in the record of Esau that he ever prayed. There's not one record of Esau ever worshiping. You see, this is a description of living in sin all for yourself. Who needs God? Who needs to talk to God? Who needs to speak with God? Or who cares what God says that I should do? Esau married godless women in rebellious hatred of his parents. Look at this now. Now he's a grown man. Now I shift my words to those of you, and I love you in the Lord, and I'm grateful for the great company of young adults we have in this church. 
And I'm thankful for your serious commitment to follow Jesus. But you see, now there came a day when Isaac and Rebekah had to talk to their, to their children about who they were going to be with. Well, Esau has already at 40 years of age made his own choice. He's going to marry women from the Canaanites. He's not going to, he's not going to pay any attention to what Abraham even told his own father. You have to go away and find a wife from among our people. You can't marry from the Canaanites. He didn't care about that. He didn't care. He lived among the Canaanites. And so he marries these Hittite, these Canaanite women. At the age of 40, he made choices. Please read it there in verse 35. And these women that he married and their relationship brought grief into the family. His choice in marriage brought grief to the family. The word grief in Hebrew is the word for bitterness. It's what I've said. All through this you find how the Word of God so wonderfully links these words. Esau spreads bitterness because of his sin, and yet there is bitterness among these parents because of the behavior of this godless son. They send the other son away, Jacob, Go away, find a wife from among our people. But you see, here we find that Esau grieved because of his sinful choices, his parents. Look, young adults, I know you're full grown. Don't patronize your parents who love Jesus. You see, every decision you make, even as a 40-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 50-year-old, as long as your parents are alive, you affect even your parents and others around you. Your decisions as a young adult have great impact upon your family. They impact your life. Oh yes, you can do as you please. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I've watched this a long time in my life. I've done, the ceremony, I've done a lot of marriage ceremonies in my life. I'm not judging any of the people. I'm making an observation. You listen to me now. You see... A man or a woman's choice in marriage more than anything reveals what's inside that man or woman. It shows whether they have any respect if your family is a family of godliness. It shows whether or not you have a heart and relationship for God. Whether you would mix yourself with someone who is an unbeliever and you don't care about that. Though you grew up in the church and you heard about it, but you patronize mom and daddy. Oh, mom and dad, I know you love Jesus. I know you love Jesus. But actually, what you want to say is, but I love my sin. I love my sin. I'm going to do what I want to do, mom and dad. I know you love Jesus. I know it's really going to hurt you. But I'm going to live in this ungodliness and this wickedness. What could a mom or a dad do? What could a parent do? What could some of you young adults do? In your life, God forbid, go out and have a relationship, an adulterous relationship with another person to destroy your family and to hurt you. Oh, the great danger of living like Esau in young adulthood. You see, this rebellious sinner Esau married Canaanite women. And to top it off, to top it off, he knows now, Genesis 28, 8, Esau sees that the daughters of Canaan displease his father. So what's he going to do when you sin and you get hard-hearted? You don't care who you hurt. 
You don't care what anyone thinks. You're going to do what you want to do in your sin because your sin now controls you. And so this man Esau, he sees that his parents are not pleased by the Canaanites, so he does the, he does the greatest move of in your face he could do. Most likely by this time Ishmael is gone, but he goes among the Ishmaelites and he marries the daughter of Ishmael, the rejected son of the flesh of Abraham, his father's father. What does sin do? You see, bitterness spreads in families because there is sin. Don't think that you can hide in your secret sin at home and it won't affect those who are around you. You see, some of us today are crouching in the corner, hiding in our sin. We don't think anybody in the family knows, but God knows. He knows how you're living. He knows what you're doing. You see, he saw that these godless wives displeased his father and mother, so he was all about it. Bitter rebellion, bitter rebellion coming from his life. You see, Esau was a man who was a Canaanite. You see, you can't marry Canaanites if you don't go hang out with Canaanites. You can't marry a Canaanite unless you come to understand what Canaanites do and how they live. In, re in rejection of all that he would have learned from Abraham's faith and his father's faith, Esau now in his heart and his sin becomes a Canaanite. You marry those who you run with. And Isaac, Isaac walks with God like his father Abraham. Jacob will come to walk with God. He will say it himself like his, own, like his own father had done. Jacob will walk with God. But Esau, Esau in the family parts with walking with God. He doesn't care anything about his family's background in meeting with God or thinking about, about God or anything about it. He walks and lives among the Canaanites. No man's sin is to himself. Your sin has consequences on every person around. So how does he leave his parents? This is just before Esau will go on his way and never come back and never see his parents again alive. This is before he comes to be the, the head and leader of the nation of the Edomites who were constantly attacking and seeking to destroy Israel all the days of later history. Now we read these words, and this is where I want to come. What does sin do to those who love, who love you in your sin? It brings grief. It brings bitterness. It brings pain. Rebecca says, now read it with me, Genesis 27, 46. Here is the language of grief and pain. Here's the pain and disappointment of a parent over the sinfulness of a child. I am tired of living. I am tired of living. What good will my life be to me? I am tired of living. What good will my life be to me? Oh, some in this room carry heavy grief and burdens. You say, you speak just like Rebecca because of the ongoing sinfulness and choices of your children 
and perhaps your grandchildren. I am tired of living. You look at their lifestyle. You think, what did we do wrong? We shared the gospel. We taught them everything we could about the word of God, but they never had a living relationship with God. And now grief says, grief comes to be spoken so clearly out of Rebecca. Oh, it's one thing when a child is dead, but this boy was alive, living in his sin in their face, embarrassing their family. I'm tired of living, Rebecca says in her grief. And what good will my life be? What good will my life be? Look, the heart, the Word of God tells us, Proverbs, the heart knows its own bitterness. And some of you today, you carry with you bitterness in your soul, some in our church carry bitterness and sadness and grief and their sinful children have died. But what do you do when a sinful child dies in their sin with no repentance? You carry grief in your life. You carry a burden. When you walk in this church building, when you walk among the people here, remember this is why we're doing this. That every family here carries family secrets and family blessings. And every family matters to the work of God, but oh, how some carry, they carry all the days of their life and they go, they endure, God helps them endure, but now nothing can be done. But some, some who are still in their sin and alive, these fully grown adult children who know the Lord Jesus, their parents taught them the truth of God's word. They sat in church, they sang, they went to VBS, they went to Sunday school. They, went, they were involved in all the activities, but then that day came like Esau when they ate and drank and they went out. They decided mom and dad's religion and faith and trust in God was of uselessness and did not matter and they lived to this very hour in open rebellion and hatred of their parents and of God and anything that matters to them. That's the grief and pain you put people through. A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Psalm, excuse me, Proverbs 17, 25. I pray that that will not be true for any of our young adults who are in our church when your children grow up. My prayer is and our prayer for one another ought to be that every one of the children of this church will grow up and be strong as next generation followers of Jesus. But we learn a lot from the book of Judges, don't we? We learn a lot. The power of God seen in the first generation seems what to fade in the next and by the third generation. Well, where is faith? Where is a walk with God? That should that should motivate every young couple and grandparents here, train up your children in the Word of God, teach them the truths of God's Word, pray for them daily. You see, that is the pain. Isaac was bitter, but he believed. But Rebecca, she had bitterness and it led to brokenness. You see, family sin brings family pain and grief. You say, Pastor Mike, why is it that there's so much it seems that so many times in the, among the godly there is this trouble. Well, because every person born into a family is a sinner. And every person must make a commitment to follow Jesus. You can't live off of your mom and dad's faith. You can't get to heaven on your mom and dad's uh, piety and godliness. 
just because daddy was a deacon or a preacher or whatever else, you come from a long line. Fellas, I come from a long line of preachers. He lived like the devil, but he was bragging on me. Tell me about it. That's great. That's wonderful. It obviously hadn't done any good for you. Where do you live today in relationship to God? All that you have been taught, all the things that you have been, that's, that your parents have labored to do for you, don't in your latter years as a young adult throw them all away because you decide that a bowl of stew and sin is better than a life of blessing with God. You know the sad thing about this story? God dealt with every one of these people in this family because of their sin. Oh, they walked with God, Rebecca and Isaac. But they sinned too. You see, the day came. We're reading it here in these, uh, these chapters before us. Jacob is sent away. It sounds similar to Abraham sending away a son. Jacob is sent away in chapter 28. And as far as we know, Rebecca, her favorite son, she had to send him away. <clears throat> and the reality is, unless I read it wrong, she never saw her son again. She died without ever seeing her son again. It was some 20 years before he comes back among his people, but chances are his mother is gone. Esau and Jacob, once they part, they'll have one gathering in the future here in Genesis, but then they finally show up and you see Esau never saw his father again alive. He only came back for the funeral. You know, I've done a lot of funerals where estranged people come back to the service. I, I was in a service not long ago where the family was so separated, they all came to bury the father. Half of them sat at the back of the funeral home and the other half sat at the front. The only time, the final time that Esau sees his father is when his father is dead. I would say to you this, if your parents are still alive, regardless of their age, Spend your time with your parents and honor them and recognize what God is doing. They're not perfect. They've made, they've made mistakes with you. They've not done everything they should do. But you see, a selfish, sinful man says, well, it's all about me. Mom and daddy, mom and daddy, me, me, me. No, that's not what it's all about. If you are a follower of Jesus and you are a young adult or a median age adult, honor your parents. Recognize that they, have, they matter to God and you are to be a witness for them regardless of their spiritual condition. You see, Rebecca said goodbye. Isaac had all kinds of bittersweet feelings because he knew that he was to bless Jacob, but he also had to bless and say to his older son, the blessing on Jacob stays. I'll bless you, but it's not the same. And what do we find in Jacob? Well, he'll pay for his lies. He'll pay for his deception. He'll be deceived for a long time just trying to get a wife. And in addition to that, he's going to live always. You know, when you lie, you got to always look around to make sure your lie doesn't catch you. He's looking around. He's always looking behind his back. He's a paranoid, worrisome man. He doesn't know. Isaac's probably around that rock. Isaac's probably, uh, Ishmael's probably over that hill. Ishmael's going to come and he's going to get me. Oh, the terrible tragedy of sin 
and its consequences bringing fear and paranoia. You see, all and Esau, he ends his life in misery, bitterness, and hatred because he will not repent. Here's the one thing I would remind you of in the things to remember today. Number three. This is for children of all ages now. While your parents are still alive. Children who live in rebellious sin live in bitterness. You see, that's what sin does to you. It bitters you. Have you ever met somebody that's just bitter? I can promise you there's a trail of sin behind them. You see, sin bitters us. It embitters us. And it causes bitterness to spread. Well, we have in Tennessee the distinction of being the highest state in all of the union with the greatest amount of flu. You see, flu spreads. Flu spreads. Bitterness spreads when sin is not confessed. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What is the answer to an Esau? The gospel. What is an answer to a Jacob? What is an answer to parents who played favorites? The gospel. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. What did Brother Jeff and the choir tell us today? Nothing is impossible for God. As long as someone's alive, they have the opportunity to be saved. If your children are far away and they're not living for God, so you continue to pray. You continue to wait on God. You continue to come to the Lord Jesus, our great high priest, and you ask for mercy. You ask for mercy for those children. You ask for God to show mercy to them. When your children go out on their own and they start making their choices, you pray for God's mercy and protection. You wait on God. You trust God. You don't say, God, I'll serve you if you take care of my children. You say, I'll serve you regardless of what my children may do to the glory of God.